Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 240. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Kathleen Duffy. And today, Kathleen, we're talking about a topic that you've proposed, which we're referring to as no longer epistolary. And the central question here is, what does the decline of letter writing suggest about our culture, our society, or our world? And to begin, I pass it off to you. In thinking about this topic, I was first interested in the fact that when I think of letter writing, I immediately think wartime or of prison and of being separated from somebody who you love and care about, and that letter writing serves as the only way of communicating. However, what interests me about that is the fact that both of those situations are ones of crisis, trauma, and longing. What fascinates me, then, is why it is that we think we can only share with people, as we do in letters, with exploration into our lives and inner selves, our thoughts and feelings when we are put in such troubling positions? Why is it that we don't write to friends or family in such a way, to those people who we could just as easily call? It seems to me that we no longer find it necessary to share in others the way we once did, and that we instead prefer the immediacy and convenience of texting, calling, or video chatting, and that in these mediums, we don't have to reveal as much about ourselves but instead are able to give glimpses into our lives. To me, glimpse is a really operative word because I do agree with you that letter writing is particularly illuminating and revealing when it's done, maybe as you and I are imagining it to be or remembering it to be, because there was a time when it was the only means of properly communicating with distant friends, family, or associates of some sort. We can't deny that you and I are discussing this from a necessarily modern perspective. I also really value the fact that you bring up wartime and prisons, which are, to me, really evocative spaces. Prison being the most compelling circumstance for me because one has nothing but time, and time is often the resource with which many of us get into reflection, introspection, questioning things, and reconsidering the past or maybe even the future, what we'd like to do. But as I imagine it, the present in prison is not particularly entertaining at best, and at worst, dangerous, boring, strange, and isolating in many circumstances. All of these adjectives, I suspect, too, reflect upon war times. And it's my estimation that those two environments call to you when we're thinking about epistolary communication, because when we hit our lowest points, when our lives or our ways of being, our normalcy is disrupted, that's when we reflect on what we want, who we are. We are faced with existential questions because existence itself seems radically changed by imprisonment or wartime. And I would encourage listeners, if they're not already, to think deeper into those two spaces. And I'm also glad that you bring up, as I suspected we would immediately, other forms of communication that exist in the 21st century, be they calls or online messaging apps or the far more ubiquitous texting, which is the most common means of communication in many parts of the world today. And the difference between letter writing and texting is not only the time it takes to deliver one message versus another, but as you were touching upon, the amount of thought that we put into those messages. Many of us use acronyms or emojis or other codes to shorten and condense our communication because often it's not texting where we go for depth or true understanding of someone else. I have a box in my bedroom that contains letters that have been written to me that I'll often return to because 
Those sentiments are powerful and intentionally constructed. That's something I'd like to dig into more with you. When I write someone a letter, and often when I've received letters, they aren't flippant messages, and they also aren't necessarily written at an arbitrary date, perhaps for a birthday or a graduation, some sentimental or ceremonious occasion. Another person's reaching out to say, I'm thinking about you on this day, and in this time of change or at this point of inflection, these are the things that come to mind when I reflect upon you. And for me, letter writing is very much about reflection. It is meditating on someone who's not currently with you in the room. And I think that meditation is possible because letter writing takes as long as it does. You could type the word because in maybe a second, but it would take you perhaps twice as long, maybe three times, to write each of those individual letters. And in the process of writing something handwritten, it necessarily, in my mind, forces us to really think about word choice and how someone else is going to receive that letter. And I would encourage listeners, as I also encourage myself on this, to letter write more often because of the reflection it forces, the attention to communication it requests of us if we're going to be great letter writers. You brought up two points that I really appreciate and think have a relationship with one another. One being that we write letters when our normalcy has been disrupted, and the other, that letter writing functions as a meditation on absence. What I find interesting about both of these ideas is that they share in the question of what do we think is worthy of the written word, and more specifically, what is worthy of the handwritten word. We don't often think to write about the mundane, our everyday interactions with friends or the world around us. But in writing about situations such as those, especially to people who aren't with us, not only reveals that we wish they were here, but more specifically, we wish that they were here to share in our routine, in our everyday lives. As you pointed out, there's a great deal of intentionality in the act of sending a letter, especially compared to giving it to someone. And aside from merely writing to these people, Written letters as a medium lend themselves especially well to world building and storytelling because of the space that they offer. When we look at our phones and text somebody, we limit ourselves to a bubble of speech and a phone that we see on our hands, as opposed to a blank page or pages to be filled with writing. In visually seeing that space, we allow ourselves to fill it and also realize that our stories and everyday experiences are worthwhile of filling such pages, even those that don't seem so important. I really appreciate the fact that you made a distinction between giving versus mailing a letter. And as I then reflected on my experience with letters, I haven't mailed that many. And it's far more often the case that I will write someone a handwritten note and give it to them or leave it somewhere for them. This leads me to a thought I'm really eager to discuss with you, the idea of commercial colonization, if you will, of various media forms. Previously, letters would be written by people, and then, of course, companies learned that you could mail things out to people, and current experience, at least for me and many people I know, is far more often inundated by a disproportionate quantity of mail offers, deals, credit card offers, various promotions for products you may never even have heard of because someone acquired your address, and so it's not as personal as it used to be. Similarly, where phone calls may have at one point been personal and allowed us to communicate with one another, as I still do from time to time with friends, robocalls and other forms of telephonic advertising and other harassment, to use a strong term, crowded and in some ways colonized those spaces. 
And so mail from senders that you haven't personally verified or requested, similar to phone calls from numbers you don't recognize, take up a different space and I think lead us to resent those mediums a little bit more. And while I agree with you in all of your points about letter writing, which I also hold in a very high regard, media like texting are typically reserved for people that we've approved and have given our contact info to. On Facebook, which is of course a very popular platform, I don't receive messages from companies or people I haven't approved, but instead friends and people I've connected with. And while that medium may not be as personal as you had pointed out, I do think the technological slope of our society can explain a lot of media that we've left behind. I wrote down in my notes, what does it take to write someone a letter? And the three bullet points I came up with were time, intention, and a personal connection. And I think that's what makes letter writing a relationship, or as you said, world-building tool. But a company, or anyone who wants to communicate with you, does not need more than really the intention to reach out to you. It's not a personal connection that's required anymore. Another question that you brought up in talking about the mundane and the fact that we don't write it down to communicate with other people very often, are we waiting to write letters until the unusual occurs? And as I think you've already answered in some ways, what do we miss out on when we choose not to write letters unless something truly momentous happens? I love that you point out the idea of this commercial colonization of correspondence, particularly with letters and calls. Reflecting on my own experiences, especially when it comes to calls, I don't get excited when I see an unknown number, but instead immediately disregard it as junk. And with mail, I generally feel the same way. In light of text messaging and direct messaging on social media as one of the only forms of correspondence that remains pure and personal in such a way, I wonder if the way we format texts can ever mimic that of letter writing. In reflecting on this topic, I thought about how long it had been since I've written a letter, and reflected in particular upon the way in which I texted one friend who was a continent away from me. What differentiated our communication over text from the ways that I text others is the frequency of which we text each other. It was only about every three weeks that we would send each other a message. In these messages, we would give sweeping updates about our lives and interactions and what the other one had missed in that period of time. Not only were we texting longer messages, but we also waited significant periods of time to respond to each other. After receiving such a long message from my friend, I would spend the days before consciously thinking, I need to respond. But because there wasn't such an immediate demand for answers or conversation, the thought of my friend remained with me as I continued on with my everyday life. And this is where I locate one of the primary differences between texting and letters, that the directness of texting and instant messages mimics our everyday conversations and interactions in a way that letters don't attempt to do. Letter writing becomes a creative endeavor, whereas texting becomes a superficial and artificial way of recreating our face-to-face -face interactions. I particularly appreciate that comparison, and I'm curious in responding, I'd also love the audience's thoughts on this, if we all reduced the frequency with which we communicated, be that texting, emailing, etc., would it encourage us to include more detail and more intentionality in the way that we do communicate with one another? I'm also reminded, in hearing you describe letter writing as thoughtful and creative, measured and indeed a bit slow, about comments people have made about this podcast in its five or so years of existence, 
And often people will say, Kip, that's not really how people talk. This doesn't sound quite like a conversation. And I might point them to this episode in the future and say, it may not look like conversations you typically have, which are a back and forth, very similar to texting, which I think has retroactively influenced our culture and the tempo and depth with which we communicate with one another. But Kathleen and I and various other guests or other co-hosts, I think, are mimicking almost a verbal letter writing a call and response that is at a slower pace, but I think at a proportionately deeper depth, if you'll permit me that phrasing. And before we conclude this episode, Kathleen, some thoughts I wanted the audience to take away and maybe consider further. First, the idea that letter writing can be geographically based. Someone can write you a letter or a postcard from a specific location, or of course, very obviously, to your location, your home. And so if they aren't in your city or your area, you might associate your communication with them with returning home from work or school when you see a letter in the mailbox. And that's a really special kind of relationship that a red notification on your phone or on your social media apps doesn't quite mimic. We also didn't get into this a ton, but the physical aspect of letter writing really appeals to me, the ability to hold someone else's words in a sense and trace them over with your thumb as you're reading to be present in a tactile way, I find really meaningful. But as you and I clearly see letter writing to have certain inalienable advantages, I would turn to the audience and ask, have Kathleen and I idealized letter writing to associate it with a better time? Were people in eras past, in fact, more thoughtful and patient in their communication? I'm sure there are letters that reflect absolutely the opposite of that. And as always, I'd love to hear listener thoughts there. Thinking about your closing statements and questions to the audience regarding what we understand to be the intentionality and honesty of letter writing compared to texting, I hope that listeners will begin to consciously consider the questions we ask and answers we give in texting. Rather than the all-too-common, what's up, nothing much interaction, perhaps we can take a cue from the practice of letter writing and have more personal discussions with those we aren't physically with. I'm also curious to hear if any listeners find a danger in the infrequency of letters, and if communicating with people in such a way will only ultimately deteriorate our interactions. I'd also be curious to hear what listeners think about that. And because this is Stride and Saunter, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, comments, or opinions of any kind, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. And you can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And this is Kathleen Duffy. Go in peace and conversation.